we're going to, there it is, we're going to share, um, Ro and I are going to share today about the meaning of marriage. And this is taken from Timothy Keller's book uh, with that title, The Meaning of Marriage. There we go. And uh, this is also what we're working with our small group through. But um, we're going to be sharing through a chapter of that together and uh, just bringing our own um, thoughts and things. And, and, and honestly, um, I, I just wanted to make a quick disclaimer about what this um, message is not. Um, this message is not sort of um, a group, a, 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 a collection of helpful tips um, on, on marriage. Because number one, we're both, I mean, I know I look really old, but we're both way too young to be... Do I just need to... Oh, hello. Whoa, there you go. Um, that's, thank you. Um, we, we're, we're not really old enough to, to give helpful tips. We've been married almost nine years, mm-hmm. and um, we're still learning so much. There are folks here that have been married much longer than that. In fact, um, uh, Jim and Cheryl have been married 38 years. Are they Cheryl's here today? today. Oh, she's not feeling good. She's watching. Okay, she's watching online. Awesome. Um, she, they've been married 38 years, so I wasn't even a gleam in my daddy's eye. 38 years ago. Um, that's my southern accent. That's pretty cool. Um, I, was, I wasn't even born, you know, 38 years ago. So I was act, actually, I didn't even tell them this, but I would love for them to come up with us. I told time. them already. Oh, I gave did? them credit. Okay, awesome. Yeah, we were talking about it this week, and just it would be so cool to have them come because when they share, they have years of experience. Um, and so we're not really here just to give, and plus, I don't think church should be a bunch of helpful tips. Um, I think you can get that from several other sources. To me, um, church, the body of Christ, the purpose of our meeting here today is to see Jesus. Mm. And so if we can see Jesus in relationships, Mm. if we can see Jesus in marriage, Jesus in dating, then I believe that uh, we'll not only just get some helpful tips, but we'll, we'll, we'll have what it takes to move forward. It lays the foundation uh, for all these other great helpful tips to, to help you out. You you agree? Totally. Any thoughts on that? Okay. All right. We're going to read from Genesis chapter two. And uh, let's drop this down a bit. Chapter 2, verse 18 through 24. Yeah. All right. And if you don't have a Bible, we've got a giant Bible right up there. Uh, verse 18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper that was comparable to him. And so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept. And then God did surgery. He took out one of his ribs And then closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam woke up married. (laughs) Went to sleep single, woke up married. Um, Okay, moving right along. Uh, Verse 23. (laughs) Verse 23, Adam said, hey, you can't go to sleep on God. You got you to stay away. He'll do crazy things on you. <laughs> Verse 23, Adam says, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And so as we embark on this t- talk about marriage, you really thought we'd start in the beginning. 
because that's where it all started. That's where God started this whole thing. And um, really, it would be great for us to also share our story. And so, um, I don't know, would, would you like to sure, maybe start, start on off. that just so I don't? Yeah. Oh, I am loud and echoey. Just back it off. Back it off. All right. Um, <laughs> Harry, I remember when I was um, 26 years old, I remember the Lord saying to me, okay, Rowena, if I told you that I had the man that I had chosen for you and I had already chosen who he was and I would introduce him to you when I was ready, would it change how you walked into social situations? And I had to think about it for a second and I said, well, yeah, it would. I mean, I wouldn't walk into the room and be like, any talent here? Any cuties? Any, any nice little men here? No, nah, you don't need to be doing that. I don't do that anymore, sweetheart. That's good. No more. Nine years of not doing that. Good, good. <laughs> no, but it, it, it changed the way that I thought about it. And I was like, okay, God's got someone planned for me. And I always say that God tricked me into marrying Harry because he's not my type at all. I was a snowboarder, rock climber, mountain biker, and he likes to sit in Starbucks. I was against Starbucks. She'd never even been to a Starbucks until I met her there. I've never been to Starbucks because it was corporate America, and I'm a hippie at heart. And uh, and so it's called capitalism, honey. It's called capitalism. (laughs) Makes the world go round. So, so God had to prepare me to date Harry, and He had to prepare Harry to date me. Um, I. God took me through about a three-year process in preparation for Harry, and we met when I was, well, we started talking online when I was 27, I think, maybe. Yeah, yeah right Three years there. before we met in person. We met online first. Mm. And so, before it was cool to meet online. Yeah, that's back when it was kind of creepy. Um, <laughs> back when people had AOL accounts. Remember, remember those days? <laughs> you've got mail. <laughs> yeah, you've got mail. Exactly. Um, yeah, we met online, and it was kind of a, a, an interesting time for me. My... My journey um, is that when I was, uh, well, when I was born in a hospital. Don't go back um, that far. No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) I was saved when I was six, and I was raised in a a, a Christian home, and my parents really worked hard to instill godly values in us. And so we had Bible study um, most days. Um, My dad would drag us out of bed at 4 a.m. because he worked in Detroit, and it was uh, about an hour commute for him, so... Uh, but he would he would wake us up in the morning and uh, to um, some gospel music. He had these old records. I don't know if you ever heard the Mighty Clouds of Joy. It is it is um, not of God. It is not of God. There is no Jesus Hillsong. I've never I've never heard Hillsong do Mighty Clouds of Joy. No, um, it was it's just really loud. Really, Mighty Clouds of Joy come rolling in, and it's just it's just really a, and at four a.m. is pretty obnoxious and. Anyway, it did the trick to wake us up, get us out there, and so we'd study the Bible together. And um, when I was 12, I really felt God calling me to ministry. And um, one of the things that he called me to do in preparation for ministry was to give up dating. Um, and so this was, this was very difficult for me because even at 12, I, I already had had, you know, several potential girlfriends. Um, <laughs> the day that I got engaged to Harry, we potential, went to visit his old church, and I did get death real. stares from about 30 women. I'm pretty no. sure they're all like, look at that girl that got Harry. Yeah. <laughs> he was loved yeah. by many. Yeah, I was, you know, it's, it's good. Um, so <laughs> you never know what you're going to say. When you're preaching with your wife, you don't know what stories are going to, let's just stay on track, stay on track. <laughs> so, I can edit to the next real fast. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, that, that whole period of my life, really from 12 to 23, uh, I, didn't, I didn't date. And um, 
And I would actually recommend that. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think it's Bible. I don't think it's written anywhere that you, it's wrong to date. But I think it was helpful for me especially um, to focus on the call that God had on my life. Um, so oftentimes, I think in teenage years, uh, relationships can be a big distraction uh, and really just create more drama than, than you really need in your life at that time. And so for me to just focus on, on God and family, learn how to be a good brother, learn how to be a good son uh, before I learn how to be a good husband, uh, it was good. It was, it, was, it was good for me. It was a good foundation. I think it's good preparation for being a good husband because um, those roles are, are – family just comes together. Uh, anyway, so we, we had um, – those years of, of, of my preparation, and then when we met online, that was way out of my comfort zone, mm-hmm. because I didn't plan on ever actually meeting her in person, or ever actually liking her at all, but she saw my profile picture, and... Here comes the brag. And I wasn't her type, but apparently, <laughs> apparently I was good enough for her to create a little status, whatever, and then find uh, us... Hang on, you make me sound like a stalker. <laughs> I had a friend who had seen I'm his profile. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not, I'm not, 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 right. not knocking it. You can, you can I had stalk a friend me, who baby. had seen his, um, his profile on Christian Mingle or something, and she had told me, she's like, Ro, there's this guy on there that you would really like to get to know. And so I saw his profile, and he was so cute. And, um, <laughs> and so I did. I made, a, I made a profile just so I could chat to him. It's back in the late 90s, and I had frosting in my hair. Mm, there might have been frosting. going forward and up. Mm-hmm. And it was fun. It was a good time. Um, and so that's, and that's how we met. We talked online for three years, and then I was uh, traveling with a, a traveling minister, and um, that's when she gave me her number. She never gave me her number before that, and she actually never sent me any real pictures. Because I'm smart, girls. Come on now. She didn't, like, she's like, oh, here's a picture of me, like, climbing a mountain that somebody took from the bottom of the mountain. <laughs> and I'm like, well, she's smaller than a mountain. I, I know that. That's, that works, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you know, I really wasn't interested because obviously I didn't even have any pictures to, to decide if I was interested in. And we were just talking online, and she was a preacher in Colorado at the time, and uh, I was, I've been a preacher since I was 12. And so we would share sermon ideas together and things like that. And uh, it was just really just, just friends. And then when I was working for this, this minister, uh, I was traveling a lot. She also has a degree in counseling, so she realized that I was stressed. And so that's when she said she gave me her number to help me with my stress, and so, I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> see, they don't buy it either, they don't, they don't buy it, only because you give that whole look, oh, okay, um, anyway, I, yeah, I was kind of implying a little more there, but I kind of thought it was a little, so we started talking on the phone, and that's when we realized that there was something, there. we talked for about six months, like hours and hours, it was so now. good, because we became best friends, yeah, we became best friends, and by the time we did meet each other, he was the person that I talked to three hours a night, every night, and um, we found out how similar we were in so many areas. It's true. We're so different in a lot of areas. People were like, how, how are you guys getting together? Like, how is this going to work? And, um, but we found that uh, we were so similar in our values and our yeah. beliefs and our relationship with God. And so, and so it's, it's, uh, that's kind of – there's a lot more to the story, which we could share in – future months, but, but that's sort of how Harry and Rowena started off on, on their trajectory of life, and, and that's how we met, mm-hmm. and that's how God began building this relationship and this marriage, and, and really our, our whole point today, uh, if you don't get anything else out of today, is that marriage is good. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds ultra simplistic. It sounds like way too simple, but um, it's actually kind of profound, <laughs> because in our culture especially, we have a lot of 
ideas about marriage and a lot of views about marriage. And it's not and the conclusion we don't we don't usually come to is that it's good. We come to a lot of other conclusions, but we want to just bring a biblical example to you, and really a personal example that we have found uh, marriage to be good. Um, marriage is good number one because God made it. Uh, we see in Genesis everything God makes is good. By the way, just so you know, God doesn't make bad things. Um, so everything God makes is good because he looked at his whole creation and said it's good. Uh, he saw Adam there in the garden by himself, and God said it is not good that Adam is alone. So I'm going to make this, this helper, this, this, I'm going to create this union, I'm going to create this marriage. And so, so the, whole, the whole purpose of marriage was to bring in uh, something good to man's life. And so this is not just for men in terms of males. This is true for all of us, that, that God intended something good for you, and uh, God created marriage. And, and, that, and that comes in various forms, obviously, in dating and relationships. And, but all of that is supposed to be, it's supposed to be good because God made it and because God said it was good and, and because um, also it, it just works. Uh, marriage works. And there's, there's a lot of opinions out there um, today that marriage is not necessarily good or there are a lot of fears surrounding marriage. And so um, in, in the book that we've been reading, he brings out some stats on the stats now on the, yeah, just, just, just on uh, real life stats on, on how marriage works. And so I've asked Roe to, to read some of those. As we were reading this together, we thought this would be interesting for you all. All right. He says a 1992 study of retirement data shows that individuals who were continuously married have a 75% more wealth at retirement than those who never married or who divorced and did not remarry. There you go. If you want to be wealthy in retirement, stay married. Well, some, <laughs> well, some people, you know, think that, that it costs a lot of money to get married, and so they think that money that, that marriage is a bit of a drain on your finances, that you're, you have more money if you stay single. But um, anyway, that, that's interesting. Even more remarkably, married men had been shown to earn 10 to 40% more than do single men with similar education and job histories. Why would this be, you might ask? Some of this is because married people experience greater physical and mental health also, marriage provides a profound shock absorber that helps you navigate disappointments, illnesses, and other difficulties. You recover your equilibrium faster, but the increased earnings probably also come from what scholars call marital social norms. Studies show that spouses hold one another to greater levels of personal responsibility and self-discipline than friends or other family members can. Yeah, and that shock absorber is, is definitely true. Like, um, there, you're always going to come in, uh, across bumps in the road, and um, even in, in your workplace, you're going to come across bumps in the road. But if you have some place to go home to, and you know, and you know that someone is there who's committed to you, who's going to be there no matter what, um, mm-hmm. it, it is it is a comfort, and you can you can get over those 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 issues that happen. Yeah, and I think you've got the confidence to um, aim higher or risk some stuff, try some new things, mm-hmm. because you know if it all turns to cookie crumble, you can come home and cry on someone's shoulder. I'll work for the next six months so you can recover. You can go get a job, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Not that you don't have a job. You have a job at home. Oh, whatever. Okay. But, I mean, <laughs> just make sure. All right. All surveys tell us that the number of married people who say they are very happy in their marriages is high, about 61%. And there has been little decrease in this figure during the last decade. Most striking of all, long, long, you gave me the really tricky words. The long studies 
demonstrate that two-thirds of those unhappy marriages out there will become happy within five years if people stay married and do not get divorced. That's interesting. That is interesting because you would not believe that from what we get told. No, and I I think that's another reason why sometimes we have a negative view of marriage because we see... um, because we see marriages that are at tough seasons, they're in a they're in a tough season, and um, and sometimes if like all of your friends are your same age or around your same age, they could all be going through that same tough season together, and so you could really get the idea that man, eight out of ten marriages are tough. They're not fun. They're not good. They're just hard work. Uh, when the reality is that life is 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 seasonal. And so this is true with kids, too, by the way. Um, if you know somebody with kids and they have a toddler, just give them some grace and <laughs> talk to them in a couple of years. And uh, their, their opinion of the world is really going to change because, because it's just seasonal. There's, there's different seasons with kids, and, and some seasons are a blast, and they're amazing, and some seasons are a little more difficult than others. Amen from parents out there. But the thing is, you don't stop having kids. Like, like the society doesn't stop having kids because there are difficult seasons. We just understand that there's this, there's this, there's this arc of a journey, right? And so we're at this one point, and if we just, if we just make it through this, it's going to be a lot easier on the on the other side. And and then they become teenagers, and I don't know. But anyway, I'm I'm not there yet. I don't have teenagers, but uh, you know, but each each season has its joy and its difficulty. I guess is what I'm saying. And I also think that in our culture, we tend to talk more about the. Um, the hard times, we tend to grumble more than we celebrate. And so I think when people's marriages are going good, maybe they don't want to brag to everybody, oh, it's so amazing, he's incredible, I don't have to do any work. Mm. Um, they want to, we tend to grizzle more than we um, celebrate. And so I think maybe we hear more grizzles than we do the good stuff. That's true. That's Sometimes on. socially awkward to be like, oh, I just have the best wife ever, and, yeah. and, and our, you know, our intimacy is just amazing, and our kids are amazing, and life at home is great. You know, it's, it gets a little awkward because people are like, well, shut up. I don't want to hear that. Cause, <laughs> you know? And so, so sometimes it's more socially acceptable to be like, oh, it's really tough right now. And then people say, oh, I understand, honey. And, yeah. And they just kind of help you through it. But I think, I, I, I think some of those stats help me see a little more objective view of marriage. But we still all have fears. We come to marriage with certain fears. And so we've been, Ro and I have been talking about the fears that we have. Sure. And um, she, in particular, had a, had a oh, fear coming into I marriage. I had a couple of fears coming into marriage. I, um, in that preparation time that God had for me, I come from a country, okay, New Zealand, prides themselves on independence. Um, Only 6% of New Zealand would call themselves Christians, and it is really uncool to be a Christian in New Zealand. I mean, I remember being in high school and being a Christian, and, um, you know, it it wasn't a cool thing to do because New Zealanders consider anything that is a crutch in your life, whether that be a child needing you, well, you will teach that child to stand on his own, you know, they just, they're very independent. They're very independent people. So I came from that culture. Right, like you shouldn't have to rely on God. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have to rely have on to anyone. Pray about your problems. You should just suck it up and. Yeah, and get on with it. Get on with life. <laughs> and, and then, you know, put on top, I'm a snowboarder, I'm a mountain biker, I'm a, you know, I've got some testosterone going through my body probably. <laughs> you will find out that I'm a little bit more the boy in the relationship. He's a little bit more the girl, but that's another story. And. Uh, <laughs> I do take the kids to the mall. That's what I do. I take the kids to the mall to go shopping. She takes them out to ride horses and stuff. It's true. So I had some fears coming into um, marriage. Are they going to play my song? 
Ah. Okay, so this, oh, they're going to play your song first or my song first? Yeah, well, we were, we, were, we were talking about this, you know, as we were growing up, what are, what are some things that would describe to us? And so I picked out, like, my song back in the 90s that was my song. So I would just like you guys to hear this for just a minute. This really kind of sums up my, my life in the 90s and growing up. And Go ahead and, and hit it. showed me her song that she was really this into. This would sum up me before. Both of us, American Idol, here we come. A little practice, we could lip sync pretty good, I think. I think we'll be pretty good at that. Um, yeah, so that was, that was her fear of commitment, I pretty much um, considered commitment to be a jail, I think. I, the first time he ever said to me, oh, you know, commitment's exciting and it's good. I was like, um, okay, I, I'm, I'm hearing you. But God had to work on me in figuring out that commitment is a safe place. It's a good place. It's, um, I started to learn as God took me through this journey, and definitely as we've been married, that as long as I know the Lord and I know God and I know his character, then I know Harry's got God's character in him. I don't need to worry about commitment being something that will control me or squash me. It might shape me and challenge me um, and convict me, but it's good. Mm. It's not scary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's something because I, obviously I'm crucified with Christ, so commitment was cool with me, you know. <laughs> Signed with blood, man, I'm in. So, uh, you know, that's how I roll. Um, and and I guess, you know, growing up, I, I, I guess I just saw the benefits of that because because then there is security in that. There is, um, like, your mind is made up, you know, and you don't have to wonder. You don't have to think. You don't have to uh, try to work all the angles all the time and try to defend yourself. You can you can rest in uh, what you know, and so I love that, that commitment naturally, and so she had to learn 
the virtues of it. But that is one of our fears. That's one of the many fears of people is that, well, if I, if I enter into marriage and then it's kind of like a, 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 a lock and key, ball and chain, as they say, um, you know, there's a lot of negative uh, uh, phrases that we have for that. But it all comes out of that, that fear of, of commitment. And then at the same time, we also have people um, who fear that it's not going to last. So on the one hand, you have some folks that are scared to death it's going to last forever. And then you have other people that are like, that's not going to last at all. And so, you know, both of those can't be right. I mean, that's just logic. You know, they, they, they both can't get quite figure that out. But also uh, fear of boredom. Uh, think that, uh, uh, that it just becomes monotonous and uh, mundane. Uh, that as long as you're dating, then there's this excitement. But if you if you get married, then it's going to get you know you're going to take each other for granted, and it's going to be just mundane and boring. And um, uh, uh, fear that fear that you're going to end up like your parents. That's a, that's a big fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if even if your parents had a had a if they, they stayed together, and if they divorced, then you're especially afraid of that ending. But even if they stayed together and there were there were fights and things, uh, we often bring a lot of those fears into uh, our early 20s and into our 30s and into our relationships as we've seen marriage happen in the past. And we say, well, I don't want that, so I guess I just don't want marriage. And so it brings fear to us. Um, also, there's, there's an immense pressure, uh, immense pressure on the actual day. Um, so, you know, it had like, you know, like I re- even for us as we were preparing our uh, day. I wanted to get married under a tree barefoot. Uh, that was my idea of a good marriage. I wasn't the girl that dreamed about her wedding day for, you know, and the frills. Right. Yeah. Well, there, there is this concept, and it's sort of, it's just a part of our culture that this is like, for a woman, this is like the happiest day of your life kind of thing. And it, I, for me, it wasn't the happiest day of my life. I don't know about you, but. Um, it was pretty fun later on. Well, that's true. <laughs> but still not the best. <laughs> anyway, we, we were. Um, like well, it was it was it was it was like about to rain because you have all this pressure that it's got to be this beautiful outdoor wedding and we're out on the we're out on the on the porch. We got married up at ten thousand feet. Um, I worked at a ski resort, ski lodge, and so I pulled a whole lot of contacts and we got to get married in August um, out on the big porch of one of the ski lodges. So we'd take yeah. the chairlift up. It was super fun, super cool. Except there was a storm coming. Well, every day they and have so, a storm, and you never know what time it's going to come between like eleven and three. And so I'm kind of the planner guy, trying to make sure everything goes off all right and good. And you see these thunder. Like I, I remember she's walking down the aisle, and I'm kind of like, can we just like speed it up a bit? Because like. It's, and so she's coming down, and I'm like over her head are these thunderclouds, and lightning is lightning bolts are starting. It to was strike. the Lord showing what a good decision you'd made. Way back behind, <laughs> I was like, man, I don't know. <laughs> Hi, honey. <laughs> you know, it's supposed to be like just this. Like, there's so much pressure put on that day, and your response to it, and you're supposed to feel something, you're supposed to see this, and all this stuff, and. And, and I, I honestly, I think that just creates fear and anxiety inside of us. And we're like, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I want to go through all of that. And so as we address these fears, really, they, we could go one by one and just kind of pick them apart and talk to them. But, but honestly, I, I think the best way to do this is just to go to the Word of God. And, mm-hmm. and so in 1 John 4.18, there's a simple scripture, a simple passage that, that, that John says that there is no fear in love. Mm-hmm. There is no fear in love. So anytime you're feeling fear, you're, you're, you're actually sensing a lack of love. There's no fear in love. But, he says, perfect love drives out fear. 
Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so uh, we, could, we could talk to those fears and deal with them each, but really you're just going to come up with more fears and, and more fears. The issue is not the presence of fear. We're all going to have fears. We're all going to be nervous even. Even on your wedding day, you said you were thinking about... Oh, yeah, I was just about to walk up the aisle, and I remember thinking, do I know him well enough? Do I, well, oh, my goodness, have I spent long enough? Do I, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. so fears are going to come, even if you're doing the right thing, if you're doing a good thing. Yeah. There's going to be fears, but... That the, the, the point is that we need to be more perfect in love. We need to receive more of God's love inside of us um, in order to drive out the fear, in order to cut the, the fear at the root. And so uh, to go back to the original passage that we read um, where God created Adam and then he said it's not good for man to be alone, so I will create a, a, a helper or I will create this union. And when he, when he did that, it was in response to uh, a lack of goodness. And so when he did that, the purpose was to make Adam good. And really, I think that that is one of the purposes of marriage. And one of the, the points of marriage is that marriage is um, there. It's created by God. And really, these relationships that we enter into, um, the, these are all modes of, uh, they're supposed to be, of making us more like Christ. And so um, typically, you end up marrying somebody who's kind of your, your opposite in several ways. And um, that's actually intentional. <laughs> that's on purpose. Um, because if you marry someone who's just like you, then that person will just think that you're just amazing. Because, well, they're just amazing, obviously. <laughs> and uh, you're both just amazing. And if, 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 and if you both think that you're already amazing, you are deceived. <laughs> Come to church and hear it. Tell it like it is. Uh, no, really, like none of us are perfect yet. None of us are walking on water. All of us need to become more like Jesus in some area of our life. And so God knows that. He's not surprised by this. So he, he puts you together with somebody who's going to irritate the, the, the thing that needs to go away. Right, and so there, you're gonna you're gonna come together like this, and there's gonna be rough edges, and then those rough edges are gonna are gonna hit like that, and the idea is that those rough edges get you know crashed right on off of you, mm-hmm. and um and and so and so so to me, if we if we come to marriage with with a Christian view, then we say, oh, okay, there's conflict or there's there's arguing that we're having. Um, this doesn't mean that it's not the happiest day of my life. It doesn't mean that it's all over and I get, it's, we're gonna end up like 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 so and so. What this means is God's trying to work something out of me. And God's trying to work, work some love into me. He's trying to put some of Jesus' love inside of me um, in order to make me good, in order to make me more, more like him. And honestly, that's such a different view of marriage than, than, than what um, all of us have grown up with. Uh, uh, ever since the Enlightenment, there's been this, this great idea that the, 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 the primary purpose of life is personal satisfaction or happiness. And so uh, that, that's the main pursuit. And, and marriage just kind of fell in line with that. And so people enter into marriage looking for personal satisfaction or happiness. And that's why, honestly, that's why we're looking for that perfect person. That's, what, that's kind of where the whole concept of the one came from. You know, if you find the one then she'll just think you're amazing. If you find the one, she'll just let you sit on the couch all day and watch football, and, and you, know, you don't have to clean the house at all because, well, she's the one. 
And this is all from a guy's perspective. This is probably not the women's dream. But anyway, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what your dream is. But, but this idea of the one, somebody who is perfectly matched for me, came out of this idea that, well, the most important thing is my personal happiness. And um, unfortunately, that puts really an unbearable weight on marriage. It just puts this, this crushing weight that, oh, my goodness, this person isn't quite fulfilling me. Well, no kidding. This person's not Jesus, and neither are you, so you need each other, you know? But, but this, this idea, this concept of this perfect person will fulfill me perfectly um, puts a crushing weight on marriage and puts a crushing weight on dating because then any, any little thing, like if they put the toilet paper roll on oh, wrong, okay. right? We talked about that. Or, you know, if they... That like, was a deal breaker. Huh? Like, you know, some people like, like roll the toothpaste tube. Other people just kind of like squish it as much as it'll come out. And we're both opposites in that as well. Uh, you know, I mean, just, just every little uh, nuance of life, you could be like, oh, well, uh, this, th- this one slice just isn't quite suited for me. And, um, and that's really the point of, of our message today, that marriage is good. Mm. But marriage is intended to make you good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's one this, of, one of my favorite things about our marriage is that Harry knows me well enough to know when something's going on that I need challenging on. And he comes in gently and supportively and says, you know, sometimes he'll just be like, hey, have you, you, know, have you thought about this? Have you noticed this? Or he'll, he'll bring it about in ways and he helps me to grow, which is wonderful. That's I something really I've appreciate learned. about that. That's something I've learned because as a guy, I naturally just want to fix things. Mm. So she starts telling me about an issue and so I start trying to fix the issue. Yeah. Oh, so like had, the horses the other night. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had to learn not to, well, I am learning. <laughs> I haven't learned it. I am in the process of learning uh, that she just wants somebody to listen. Like I was sitting in Summer Moon this week. Uh, Summer Moon's a coffee shop in Buda. There's also one in Austin. Awesome coffee, by the way, just FYI. Um, and I'm sitting there, and these two these these two girls are they're there with like like they met with their little toddlers, and they're they're talking about their husbands. And, uh, and really it's like the one girl would talk and she's, you know, like this. And this other girl is just saying, "Mm, I know. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I know. Oh, I know. I know. I know. I'm sitting there like, is this a conversation or is this just a, like, like, like some like from a guy's perspective, we don't really talk to people about our problems to hear. I know I feel sorry for you. It must be so tough. Like, that doesn't help me, you know? Like, that doesn't help me. That just tells me that you know, and, well, wonderful, now that you know and I know, now can we do something about it? Like, let's, let's fix this, shall we? Right? And so when guys start talking, like, they, they value um, fixing and, and constructing. That's the way God made us. And so when we start talking, we're like, oh, well, this is something I'm dealing with. Oh, well, this is something I tried that actually kind of works, so you might want to try that. And, and so we, we walk away from the, from the conversation like, all right, I'm equipped with something to do something. But, but women walk away because women are nurturers. They're naturally, that's what, they, that's what they, they give. They give out nurture. They give out, I know, I feel your pain. I sympathize with you. And so that's what they want to hear. They want to hear somebody who just says, oh, I know, it's been a rough day. And, and so I've had to learn to say, I I know. But you also, you bring some, oh, I know. Anybody watch Faulty Towers? Brilliant. <laughs> um, but, oh, hello. 
they he he learns to do that for me and that's mm. wonderful but you also you bring truth to the situation as well you don't yeah. just say i know i know i know right. you're like well have you thought about it like this as well right yeah. you don't try and solve the problem but you do try to bring something new to the table it's true yeah it's wisdom that i've had to learn um how to speak because i just want to just blurt out some kind of answer but hmm. to, to bring compassion in, in along with it yeah. and empathy and sympathy good things. has been has been very good <laughs> And uh, yeah, so um, so so that that's basically what we want to share with you today. And 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 I understand that as we all um, come from different points in life, some of us are, are are not even thinking about dating. Some of us are dating. Some of us are married. Some of us are engaged. Some of us um, are wanting to get married. Some of us have been married. Some of us are divorced. Um, and there's a lot of uh, 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 there's just, just a, a lot of pain that comes with life. Mm. And that's, that's one of the things that I, I really wanted to mention just with respect to the dating thing. I think one of the reasons why it's not such a great idea to date when you're 13 is that you're not really ready for a marriage-type relationship. And so, so often uh, many of us started dating when we were 12 or 13 or 14, and we weren't really ready to deal with, the, with, with, with that kind of thing, right? Like how do I, how do I be compassionate and, and provide some wisdom? And we weren't ready for that at all. We were just, I mean, our brains weren't even fully developed. And so uh, what, it, what it did is it just created a lot of pain. And so then we entered into our 20s and said, well, I don't know what I want, but I know I don't want that. I, don't, I know I don't want that pain. I don't want to feel that. And so sometimes our, our fears are just embedded in us from a very early stage. Or if you've been married at all, there's always going to be some scars and some, some ways that, that you didn't respond correctly. And so the, the ultimate is that God brings love into your heart. Um, and that's really the point of today. So I was going to have T-Bear just come up, and uh, he's going to lead us in one song as we close. But um, the, the song is Healing is Here. And we want this place, City Chapel, to be a place of healing, regardless of where you're at and uh, what your views of marriage are or what, what your experiences have been. Um, that, that this could be a place where, where God can bring his love into your heart and that that love would drive out the fear um, in your life. That that love would, would calm the fear. There's another passage in Zephaniah where God says, I will calm your fears with my love. And uh, I, just, I, I, I just believe that he has that for each and every one of us. That we can live a, a fearless life. And, and we can operate in relationships without fear. And we can, we can raise children without fear. And we can plant churches without fear. And we can, we can live life with, with love, with the love of God inside of us. And as he's perfecting that, that we just say, okay, God, just perfect it some more in my life.